You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's open our Bibles to the Scripture reading for this morning. I'm going to read from the Gospel according to John, chapter 6, verses 25 to 71. When they found Him on the other side of the lake, they asked Him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you are looking for Me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed His seal of approval. And they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. And Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. At this, the Jews began to grumble about Him, because He said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can He now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? What if you you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit, and they are life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus replied, Have I not chosen you, the twelve? Yet one of you is a devil. He meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, who, though one of the twelve, was later to betray him. The text for the sermon this morning is the truth of God's word as it's been summarized and confessed by the church in chapter 5, article 3 of the Canons of Dort. Let's read that together at this time. God preserves his own. Because of these remnants of indwelling sin, and also because of the temptations of the world and of Satan, those who have been converted could not remain standing in that grace if left to their own strength. But God is faithful, who mercifully confirms them in the grace once conferred upon them and powerfully preserves them in that grace to the end. Beloved Congregation of Christ, if you look at the top of the page that we were just reading from the Canons of Dort, there's a title there, title at the beginning of this chapter, says, Fifth Head of Doctrine, The Perseverance of the Saints. And yes, that is the name that we often give to this doctrine of grace. One unfortunate thing about this name is that it could leave someone with the impression that this is all about how God's people persevere to the end or stick it out. Persevere means that you stick it out right until the end. The impression could be there with this doctrine that this is something that people do out of their own strength and their own power. Of course, when you go through the chapter and you read it carefully, 
you find that this is not the case at all. But given the fact that people are often quick to jump to conclusions, and given the fact that many today are lazy or sloppy when it comes to theology, it does need to be pointed out and it does need to be emphasized that this is a doctrine of grace. And by that we mean to say that perseverance is something that God gives to His people. It's a gift. It's a gift that people get without their earning it, without their deserving it. Perseverance is the gracious work of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Before we look at the work of each individual person, let's briefly take a look in a little bit more detail of what we confess here in Article 3. The fathers at the Synod of Dort give us three reasons why people who have been converted by God could not stay standing if left on their own. Even after having been regenerated, people remain dependent on God's strength and power. The first reason why this is so is that we have the remnants of indwelling sin. We heard about that last week when we heard about our old nature. The second reason are the temptations of the world. By the world, we mean the world of unbelief, which includes individuals, also includes institutions, cultural trappings, and so on. The world is there, and it can draw us away from God with its temptations. This is why we're told in James 4, verse 4, that friendship with the world is enmity with God. And finally, we have the adversary, Satan himself. Satan will also actively work to tempt us, just like he did with our first parents, Adam and Eve, at the beginning. Remember what it says about him in 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is there. He is real. And he is dangerous. In fact, the power of this unholy trinity, our old nature, the world, and the devil, we should not underestimate it. But on the other hand, we also have the supreme power of God. We confess that God is faithful. And in His faithfulness to His people, He does two things. First of all, in His mercy, He confirms them in the grace once given to them. That means that God strengthens the people He has regenerated. He strengthens them in their walk with Him. The second thing is that He powerfully preserves them until the end. When God elects someone, God calls someone, regenerates someone, He doesn't stop there and say, okay, now you're on your own. Let's see how you do. He continues working in their life to keep them safe in His care and protection until the day they're called home or until the day that the Lord Jesus returns. You think here of those beautiful words in Philippians 1, verse 6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God began the good work, and He will finish what He started. 
It's His promise. Now let's turn and consider the work of each of the persons of the Trinity in this. Well, we'll begin in the traditional way with the Father. As an aside, it's traditional to do that, but it's also biblical. Right? Matthew 28.19 gives the order, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with reference to baptism. It's just an aside. What, what is it that the Father does in the perseverance of the saints? Well, it begins with the will, or the decree of the Father. In the passage we read from John 6, in verses 39 to 40, the Lord Jesus spoke about the will of the Father. In verse 39, He said that it was the will of the Father that He would lose none of all those people who were given to Him. In verse 40, He said that it was the Father's will that everyone who looks to Christ in faith would find eternal life and be raised up at the last day. From elsewhere in Scripture, we know that the Father has written the names of the elect in the Lamb's book of life and that He has done this from before the foundation of the world. We read that in Revelation 17, verse 8. In other words, God's decree of election includes the fact that those who are chosen will persevere. It was not only that they were chosen to believe in Christ, but also that they were chosen to stick it out until the end. It is election unto eternal life, and that necessarily includes perseverance. Closely connected with that is the love of the Father, the love that He has for the elect. Listen to these beautiful words of Jeremiah 31, verse 3. I have loved you with an everlasting love, I have drawn you with loving kindness. Those words were spoken to the people of Israel. God's love for His people Israel was the reason why He chose them. He chose them because of His love, which flows out of His covenant, His special relationship that He has with them, His promises. The same is true for God's people today. God loves us, loves His people. And God is almighty and powerful, and that means that He is going to use His power to exercise and to show the love that He has for us. His love and His power means that He's going to keep His people in the face of the temptations they face from the devil, the world, and their own flesh. So it is the Father's will that the elect would persevere, and this flows out of His love for them. There's more. In John 10, 28-29, we hear the Lord Jesus speaking these words, I give them, there He's speaking about the sheep, eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of My hand. My Father who has given them to Me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of My Father's hand. It's from John 10, 28-29. Powerful words. With respect to what the Father does, we can note two things here in this text. First of all, the Father gives the saints into the hands of the Son. He entrusts them to His care. It seems to be a reference to the fact that that believers are a special possession of the Lord Jesus. 
You can think here of what we confess in Lord's Day 1 of the Hadabur Catechism. That I am not my own, but belong both with body and soul, in life and death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We are in His hands. He is our Lord, our owner, if you want to put it that way. But at the same time, and this is the second thing we get from John 10, 28-29, the same time, we are still in the Father's hands. We're not only Christ's possession, we also live in the shade of the Father's providence. And the result is that not a hair can fall from our heads without His will. Brothers and sisters, the good news is that God the Father will never let go of those who believe. As believers, as God's people, we have a sure promise that He will not falter in carrying us to the end. You know, and this doctrine, it gives us enormous comfort in various circumstances of life. Think only of the believer who's dying from Alzheimer's disease. His body is slowly deteriorating. His mind is slipping away. This person may, may reach a point where no longer recognizes anybody in his family. Not even his own wife or his own children. May not be able to speak about his faith anymore. If it depended upon man to persevere, we would look at this situation and we would pity this poor, helpless person. This poor, hopeless person. We would say there's no hope, there's no salvation for this person as they cannot express faith in Jesus. But because we know our gracious Father and we know what He does, we can be comforted. We can know that this person's eternal destiny is safe and assured, not because of who man is, but because of who the sovereign God is. Because of what God has done in this person's life. Because of God's will. Because of God's promises. Because of God's love. It does not depend on man and man's effort. And perhaps we see that more clearly in a case where someone has Alzheimer's or something similar. But it's true for all who believe. Just when we think that our perseverance depends on us, God comes with His Word and says, you've got it all wrong. I began your salvation and I will complete it. It is Me working in you. If it was you, you would not stand even for a minute. The world, the devil, and your own flesh would have their way with you. It would be all over. But it's not like that. Praise God. Now let's consider the work of the Son in this perseverance. In John 6.37, the Lord Jesus says that He will never drive away those who come to Him. When someone, by, by God's grace, believes, the Son promises that He will never push them away. And if we put that positively, the Son will always hold on to those who believe in Him. 
In John 10.28, we read that the Lord Jesus gives the sheep eternal life. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. And the result, brothers and sisters, is not a half-salvation. It's not a temporary salvation. It is full, eternal salvation. The Lord Jesus promises in John 10.28 that the sheep shall never perish and no one can snatch them out of His hand. Because He is the shepherd par excellence. The shepherd who never sleeps. The shepherd who never takes a coffee break. Never turns away His eyes from the sheep for even one moment. Sticking with the Gospel of John, in John 17 we have what we call the high priestly prayer of Christ. In John 17, verse 12, the Lord Jesus, we we hear Him telling the Father about His disciples. He says, while I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name You gave Me. Throughout His entire ministry on earth, the Lord Jesus, through His teaching and miracles, He faithfully carried out His task as the Good Shepherd. He says that He kept His disciples safe by that name You gave Me. In other words, He kept them in the name of the Father. It means that He kept them and protected them in the salvation that God has revealed. God's name, you'll remember, is who He is. The God who saves. We know that the Lord Jesus continues to do these things. He is with us by His Spirit. He protects us. He keeps us safe in the name of the Father. In all these ways, He gives us more grace so that we will persevere until the end. And as if this wasn't enough, He also continues to intercede for us, or if you want to put it that way, stick up for us in in heaven. Romans 8.34 tells us that Christ is at the right hand of God And He is constantly interceding on our behalf, interceding for us against the accusations of the devil. His intercession is definitely connected to our perseverance. In John 11.42, the Lord Jesus says that the Father always listens to Him. That is great news for us. We know that Christ is on our side. That He is there in heaven constantly and fervently interceding for us. And because the Son is on our side, we know that the Father is on our side too. And if they are on our side, who's left to condemn us? Who's left to keep us from persevering? The Lord Jesus is the Son of God who has made us also into sons of God. Through our union with Him by faith, God looks at us as His favored children who are in line to receive an inheritance. Nothing and no one can take that away from God's elect. The Lord Jesus, He persevered in His life on earth. Persevered in God's will. And because we are in Him, 
We are rooted and grounded in Him. We too, we will persevere in our lives on this earth. The Son will do these things in us and for us. That is truly gospel truth. It is great news. It doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on our ability to do anything or to measure up in any way. In the Son and through the Son, only because of Him, we are eternally secure. So in our lives as Christians, it's important that we always keep in our minds the words of Hebrews 12.3. Good words to memorize. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Notice there that He is the author of our faith. The sovereign God. But He is also the perfecter. He someday will make our faith perfect. Someday He's going to make us perfect. We have His promise that those who believe today will someday be glorified with Him. So the Son has worked wonderful things. He is working wonderful things. And He will still yet do even more wonderful things. What a Savior we have. And that brings us to consider briefly the work of the Holy Spirit in this perseverance. The important passage here is Ephesians 4.30. We read there, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. find the same truth taught earlier by Paul in that same epistle, Ephesians. Chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. When we talk about perseverance, the Holy Spirit is first of all a seal. He's the guarantee that what we experience now is just a foretaste of what is coming in the future. We have Him living in us. And He is God's promise that it's all for real. And not only is it real now, it's going to keep on being real. Through the creation of faith, and through the maintenance, through the preservation, and also through the growth of faith, the Holy Spirit takes the work of Christ and He applies it to our lives. Together with the Word of God, with Scripture, the Holy Spirit is the means or the instrument by which God works to keep us going in our Christian life. Quietly working behind the scenes, the Holy Spirit, He's the one who brings it all home to us. Through Him and His Living in us, we have union with our Savior and all the benefits that come with that, including the benefit of perseverance. Because of the Holy Spirit's presence, we know that God is always there, near at hand. Sometimes people think of God as being distant, that God is unconcerned with their lives. If you're thinking that way, 
Read Psalm 139. In that psalm, David writes there about how God is near and how this is a good thing. He says in Psalm 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? And not only is God near, He is near to us in a good way, in a protecting way, in a way that will keep us safe to the end. In Psalm 139, verse 10, David says that no matter where he goes, God's right hand will hold him fast. God's Spirit is always with him and will sustain him so that he perseveres even in the face of enemies or or other difficulties or whatever circumstances life may throw at him. And so also with the Holy Spirit, we have good news when we think about His role in in perseverance. Through Him and, and His dwelling in us, we know that God is there. We know that God does care. God will sustain us. He'll guide us so that we can make it. And there need not be any doubts about it. The Gospel is that we have a God who saves completely. The good news is that there is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who sovereignly, together, bring about our salvation. And in this sermon, we've looked at their individual roles, but the truth is that they work together, and they work in unity. And so you cannot really separate the work of the Father from the work of the Son. Nor can you separate the work of the Son from that of the Spirit, or the work of the Spirit from that of the Father. They work together in perfect unity and harmony. They bring about together our perseverance in the faith, and indeed all things with respect to our salvation. And the result is not only our comfort, and that's definitely a benefit that we get from this, But the most important result of all is God's glory and His praise. You know, the Canons of Dort that we've been looking at the last few months were originally written in response to the false teachings of the Remonstrants. But the fathers of Dort were always clear that their deepest concern was the glory and honor of God. This wasn't about a a theological debate, a debate where you just debate for the sake of debate or that you're trying to win a debate just for the sake of winning. The fathers of Dort were passionate about ensuring that God would consistently and most fully receive all the credit and praise. And we can be thankful that their passion has been passed on to us in the canons of Dort. Because when we look at Article 3, we see man as helpless by himself. Man standing by himself before the unholy trinity of the devil, the world, and his own flesh. He's in a dire predicament. But then there is God. The triune God. He is faithful. The triune God shows His mercy. The triune God powerfully preserves His people. He is the God who acts. The God who helps the helpless. 
Brothers and sisters, that's plenty reason for us to be thankful and to bring Him honor, glory, and praise now and always. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.